Hello everyone and welcome back to Affinity Podcast. My name is Alex and today I get to talk to one of the genuinely nicest people in the NTG community, which has some steep competition. Demented Kirby, which I have been assured is his real name, has been producing video content for the past three years over on YouTube, including unusual takes on standard commanders, as well as giving a spotlight to those sometimes overlooked generals. Through this, Kirby has garnered himself a very respectable following and has been finding acclaim amongst the community's most influential people. And I'm very happy to be talking with him today. Hi, Kirby. Hello, Alex. What's up? We are fine. How are you? I'm doing as good as I can be. <laughs> so one of the reasons I really wanted to get you on and talk to you is because you, unlike a lot of other people, tend to go with the weirdest possible cards in the newest set that me and Martin will look and go oh, that's okay. But then you'll take it and make a deck out of it and make me generally think, oh god damn, I didn't think about that. Which I, what what's one of the things that draws you to one of the weirder sides of these things? Like, what makes you go, I need to look at this commander not the hotness that everyone else is looking at? That's a good question. Um, usually when I see spoilers come out and stuff like that, I usually wait like just a tiny bit because sometimes if you go too gung-ho in the beginning and then you start building around it, then other cards might come out, you know, that could influence that commander or, or things you can do with it. Um, for example, in one of my latest videos, it was uh, Medium, the Sentinel yeah. one. When I saw it, I figured I first started building it with dragons like everybody else would. And the first thing in my mind is like, I don't want to make another tribal deck. But I included Sakashima, the imposter, because I love that card, and Sakashima of a Thousand Faces. So when I was testing it on online, and I cast Sakashima, and then I Sakashima died, not died of the legend rule, but he gets cloned. Yep. So I have three medium at that point. And I'm like, oh, wait, this is the direction I should take it in. So I took out most of the dragons, and I put a whole bunch of clones in it. And I'm like, all right, this deck is insane. This is the direction I'm going to. So sometimes it's via testing, right? That I discover something that I didn't expect. And I know sometimes that happens with you guys too when you're playing. Sometimes you make a comment in a video, oh, we had no idea the deck would do this, yeah. but it did it and it popped off, right? Oh, God, you're like... And, yeah. How, how, how hard, or how hard, how often do you say you would test a deck before you say it's not done, but like to your satisfaction? Yeah. Well, it usually when... Because I like to, to really, you know, thoroughly research, to put it that way, um, a deck, which is why now I'm putting it out weekly instead of before where I was putting out like 12 videos a month. That was pretty strenuous. But what I do is if I see a commander, which is why I specifically loved the, the background commanders, because I know that from there I can get a lot of ideas that maybe other people don't see. Obviously, it helps, you know, that I have so many cards in my brain occupying, you know, rent-free, unfortunately. <laughs> so when I, when I have an idea, I just sit down and I think of, okay, I know all these cards that go together. Obviously, you know, I start with the lands. I start with the interaction, the removal. I see if there's any synergistic removal, right? So at least, you know, keep it a bit more spicy. Mm -hmm. But then when I test the deck, I usually test it on Cockatrice, which, if you remember, is the, the platform we, we played when we drafted my commander Yeah, cube. I remember. Yeah, so I would test the initial, I would goldfish first, just to make sure, you know, all the ratios are correct and all that. 
And then I would play it. And then sometimes as I play it, I'm like, no, nah, this is good in theory. It's not good in practice. You know, I'll take it out, maybe put a bit more interaction, maybe put some other things. Um, for example, the one I made recently with um, Abdel, which was, it's not CDH, but it's really evil because half of the combo in the command zone is like a world gorger combo. Yeah. Once you get animate dead, the deck goes immediately infinite. So I was tinkering with a more stronger version of that, but as I played it, I found that I wasn't in the right rooms. For, what I mean by that is, for example, I usually play in like mid-power rooms just before um, high power or CDH, mm. right? And I found that it was like pub stomping, not CDH level, but that wasn't what I wanted. So usually testing, I like to try to keep it at the same level because there is also like an expectation from my channel, right? Enough people have seen it that they know more or less the, the power that I play at. So when I'm brewing, I'm always keeping that in mind because you can always slap in Mana Crypt, you know, Mox Diamond, Demonic Consultation. If it goes in any deck, it can go in any deck, yeah. right? So I usually steer clear from, from staples. For example, it's been a very long time that I've played with any tutors, Smothering Tithe, you know, things like that. Because as a player also, I'm tired of seeing those cards across the table, right? So it comes to a point where unless the deck needs it, I don't put it in. So it's, it's like a hodgepodge of, of all these things that, that happen at once. Like sometimes I can just get in a eureka moment, an inspiration, and I stop what I'm doing and I make this, this deck. Or I'm doing sometimes three decks at once. So it, there's like no method per se to the madness, but when I do brew the deck and I get the idea, then it's, I'm really methodical. I know more or less what I want to do, how do I want to get from point A to point B, and then just a lot of testing. So we do something very similar where you do have, I think Martin's got a few decks on the go. I've definitely got a few decks on the go at the same time. But I think that's just being an avid commander player, you tend to have that one of ways. I could do this commander but this commander as well and you just keep going and going and going and never really stop um we I mean, said something interesting about combos and tutors i it does get a bit repetitive when everyone every turn is just tutoring constantly especially if you're meant to be mm -hmm. having a lower powered game and that kind of infers stuff like a lack of tutoring a lack of comboing but yeah. I, I always remember um that was a pj the jumbo commander he always said like he'll have shooters in the deck for like the random jank and that is so yeah i could you know, that's always stuck with me like you said that like, years ago like my four color omnath has i think every tutor in there possible because the only real way it wins is through a five card combo that's janky as hell and super interruptible yeah. but like you're right if someone just goes i'm gonna diabolic tutor for doomsday like okay that's, that's fun guys Let's shuffle up and go again. Yeah, yeah. Because it's about the experience also. Um, I know, for example, and I get comments all the time asking for different things, but I usually try to point it out there. For example, I'm not a budget channel. Mm. Obviously, you know, I do have a lot of cards and I do play them online. And my content is more for people to get ideas. That's why I like to build around all these crazy ideas. But for, for me, since interaction is so important, you know, and accelerating the deck, I always include those sections in my videos of what interaction I run, what man acceleration I run, because it's important that players understand that those things are needed for the deck to run. Like you can't cut lands, you can't cut ramp. You have to, you know, figure out what to do or else you're going to stall out. Exactly. One of the things I always say in new players is like, it is far better to have more ramp than not. Because mm -hmm. I, as a friend of ours who, 
uh, I don't even know why, it's Jack, who's been on the channel, is currently bloody undefeated on the channel. Um, but, like, the, he is, and I always say this, and there's a few people like him, like um, Matt, Tall MTG, is the exact same way. I wouldn't call Matt or Jack good magic players. I would say they're just good game players. And they know that more ramp means you have less land in your deck, which means the odds are that the next card you're going to draw is not a land. And you now have the land yeah. to play whatever you want. And like when you think about like it's a game of resources rather than you just think of the words yeah. Magic the Gathering, that makes a lot of sense. You're like, oh, damn, I need to include more ramp, which does now mean every single deck has Kodama's Reach, Cultivate, Explosive yeah, Vegetation, mm -hmm. and... Temple of Discovery. I love Temple of Discovery. It's so good. Yeah, that's a really great card. At least for me, all my ramp packages, I try and keep it tight around the ramp because, like, all right, I'll be quote-unquote fair and not run zero-drop mana mm. rocks, but I'm still going to run, you know, Farseek, three visits. Yeah. I'm still going to run, you know, dual-type lands, fetch lands. And I get a lot of flack for the fetch lands, but at the same time, it's because they were so expensive, but now they're dirt cheap in comparison. There's no reason to not run them if you're running, you know, shock lands and tri lands. Yeah, when I found out, like, uh, Scalding Tarn was like 25 euros, I'm like, what? That's <laughs> like, f since I started playing Magic ten, like five seconds ago, Scalding Tarn was always one of those cards of if someone played, you're like, well, you've got some splash flying around, don't you? Yep, it's like a hundred hundred dollars. Now it's like, now like what? Like it's not nothing, but like power yeah. reprints, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th those are cards, for example, that carry stigma. So that's why I include them in my videos. Because <laughs> you can, you can you, to show that you can still have you know a a, a good deck, have a right. good idea, but running running an efficient mana base is not a sin. No. Like, you don't have to run, you know, Mox Opal. You don't have to run Chrome Mox if you don't want to. But if you can run a, a Temple Garden and Farseek in your deck to get the Temple Garden or whatever, it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. And lastly, like, Tutors and Ramp are two things that should never be stigmatized. Like, if you are generally playing exactly. the Moxes and the uh, Mana Vault, mm -hmm. Mana Crypt, I'm then deeply concerned about what you're going to do with it, not the fact that you've played it. Because, like, if, if you're playing, if you do that and then you play, you know, Baron Sangi, like the new six mana one, I'm like, yeah, weird flex, but okay, I'm going to allow this. And then you just completely play like a normal mono black vampire deck, but you happen to have a mana vault because you opened it in a pack. Good for you. It yeah. is generally a lot more of a, it's stigmatized because people don't, I think, they associate with the fast mana, the faster game, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, and also um, it's because people associate secondary market value with hundred percent. And yeah, and for me, intent is the power, mm. right? For example, if you're playing Zatama, which is like the mono white dinosaur from Ixalan, oh, the big floppy flop. How? Yeah, it's mono white. It costs like what thirty mana to cast. Like if you're running Mana Crypt, Mana Vault in that deck. All right, I'm gonna let it slide because how else are you gonna, you know, get that down? The game's gonna be over. You're gonna die before you even see your commander, right? Very true. So it's all about intent. You're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, nasty mana. Oh, what was it? There was that big worm, wasn't there? The massive worm on Zendikar. There was like a, a seventeen, seventeen that, that eats Emrakul, and you're like, hold on a second, that doesn't quite track law wise. Why does that work? I mean, in any case, Emerald Quill can be blocked by 15 Flying Squirrels. That so. tracks, though. That makes complete sense. I, I buy that. 
Squirrels yeah, are OP in match. Yeah. Like squirrels being one ones is essentially wizards saying that hey, a squirrel in magic can take on a fully grown man and they'll both die. And you're like, huh? Squirrels are o exactly. squirrels are OP. <laughs> yeah, squirrels are like the 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 rodent equivalent of the huge rats from the Princess Bride yeah. in Magic. <laughs> love that film. That's what they're like. Oh, do love that film. I've completely lost my train of thought now. We're talking about rats. <laughs> We're talking about. I think we were talking about things that should go in. Things that should go in there. People yes. aren't yeah. Uh, a bit of homogeneity that's actually creeping in a little bit that we're seeing a little bit of in a bit like Cardiac, like Smothering Tithe. Like, there's no yeah. card that's that's better than Smothering Tithe or what Smothering Tithe does. Mm -hmm. You play Mono yeah. White. I think it's. Yeah, you have to have it. I think it's also because there's such an influx of new players to the mm. game. And Magic is such a complicated game, which is why I don't agree that new players should start with Commander as their first format, but that's a whole other topic, right? <laughs> but with a, with a complicated game, and then Commander makes it more complicated because it adds additional rules, yeah. right? There's Commander, there's Commander Tax, and all that. Um, new players need somewhere to hold on to. And then they're constantly seeing, you know, all these articles, all these content, Oh, this is a staple. This is a staple. This is a staple. Sometimes the moment a card is spoiled, I see on Twitter either people asking for a ban or people calling it a staple. I'm like, it's neither. Have you tested it yet? Have you tried yeah. it? Like in theory, sure. But those those are the things that now I avoid because if I'm going to see it in action, probably in the other three players across from me at the table. So Smothering Tithe is a card I only have in a stacks deck because I use it to tax an yeah. opponent. I don't use it in my Oscar deck. I don't use it in my Kikar deck. Even though if I wanted to, I could, but I don't because I'm tired of seeing it. Yeah, that's the thing as well. There used to be a case of the mass, the influx of commander players was everyone played standard. Like standard was where you started playing magic or drafts or steals. Um, but standard tended to be the thing that everyone tended to be in. And then rotation would happen. But you'd love the cards. They were your cards. You played them constantly and you knew that you liked them. So then it would be a case of, oh, I don't want to play modern because modern is ridiculously expensive. But yep. I can jam in a bunch of other cards that I've been collecting for the past however many years on once I've been playing with this deck. And suddenly I can keep playing these cards in Commander. And then you get into Commander and you get that fun that comes with it. Now, like you've got loads of people coming from, this isn't a bad thing, but playing online or playing Pioneer uh like other non-rotating formats so people then coming into commander tend to come into it very either completely new or it's like one of their first formats like we've had people come in to our lgs and they've been playing magic for like months or maybe a year and commander is their first and only format which is great mm. love new commander players yeah. fabulous but again it's as you say commander is very divorced from the for the vast majority of other mtg formats yeah and that's how i started i i started the game a very very long time ago when the only like way you would play it is quote unquote standard which was a different name back then and then when those cards started you know rotating out when they decided to make it rotating then they had the non-rotating format and all that and i would play on and off you know for mostly financial reasons but when i was finally fed up with standard because of like literally all the net decking i remember theros came out and then every single deck at every single fnm was either mono blue devotion or mono black devotion yep. 
you know, I'm like, all right, I'm quitting magic for for 100%. Because I, I almost did that with Cawblade, and I almost did that with, with Jason Mind Sculptor. Like, nah, I'm not playing anymore. And then one of my friends told me, oh, but there's a, there's a new format that came out. Do you want to try it out? And it was Commander. And I immediately loved the format because it's multiplayer. It has a different dynamic. There is no top deck. But to be fair, at the beginning, we were playing really high-powered decks because we were used to, you know, tournaments and, you know, that high-powered meta. And at that time, Prophet of Crufix was a new card, so it wasn't banned. Sylvan Primordial was not banned. So I was playing, I remember my, I was playing Oloro with a lot of very expensive stacks pieces that I had in my binder. I had Necustar, that was my second deck. And then Crufix, God of Horizons, was my third deck. So that's the kind of level we were yeah. playing at. And I remember I got a Wheel of Fortune for just 11 bucks. <laughs> that was like, like in 2013. So that can tell you how, like how Commander exploded, yeah. right? To the point that it was, you know, back then an Underground Sea was like $100. And that was too expensive for me back then. Yeah. I, I remember very vividly, I was, I was in Liverpool. It was my second year, you know, I, this, is, this is a horror dream that keeps reoccurring where someone came up to me and said, hey, do you want to buy this Badland for 30 pounds? And I said no, and I, I keep oh, wow. I keep looking back, going, why? Why did you do that? Because yeah. the logic, the like logic the was it's just land. I'm never gonna. It's just land. Yeah, exactly. I don't play red black. Well, get out of here. It's fine. Yeah, and even then, I've taken them out of my decks because just because I'm afraid of you know walking around with like all that amount of money yeah. in my backpack and getting it stolen. So I'm like, nah, I'm not gonna play with any of these cards anymore. But just because of the monetary value. But at least back then, money wasn't really a factor because the only expensive cards were in modern. Mm. Commander, quote unquote, didn't have any expensive cards. I remember when I started playing, almost all my decks were blue. Nekusar, Prufix, and, right, Aloro. Cyclonic Rift was like a quarter. Uh, and I remember I would make a lot of budget article, budget lists on um, MTG Salvation. I'm like, okay, in this budget version, I would put you know Cyclonic Rift in every blue deck. And now Cyclonic Rift is almost a $30 card because it's so good in the format, right? But it's because you know that it's the, there's a quote-unquote consensus that it is a staple. Yeah. So that is why it's so expensive because people are expected to run it in all of the blue decks. Yeah, and cards like Cyclone Rift and Smilling Tower, they kind of have not quite the same thing that Black Lotus has, but they have their own mythos behind them. Like, everyone can tell you the time, like, yeah. oh, I was going to win, and I got Cycrifted out of the game completely, and it's a BS card, and it should be banned. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Like, everyone has those stories around them. Like, Cyclone Rift will probably, hand on heart, probably never be banned. It's just one of those cards that... No, no. It is a big blowout card, but you know, so is technically any board wipe. And yes, Cyclone Rift is one one sided, but Blue Deck's got to end the game somehow. I feel, like, yeah. I feel like it solves more problems than it creates if it's used well. For example, you have to have seven mana yep. open. You preferably want to use it at the end of someone's turn. And if you do it at the end of the turn before yours, it's because hopefully you end the game, right? People put people out of their misery your next turn. Or you use it in response to like an alpha strike or whatever, but using it to troll, that's usually where you know people get annoyed because there is always you know those cards that are used with malintent, right? If you know what I mean. Like, like there is a back when I had my very competitive Urza deck, there was a Sunder in there. I return all lands to their opponent's hand. I've got artifacts. I don't yeah. care. But it was then yeah. a case of right. I've done that in your end step. 
I'm now going to win because you can't respond. If I then went, huh, play a land pass, that's not okay. Yeah, exactly right. That, that is... Yeah, I have yeah. I have Sunder and Nekusar for the same reason. If, if I'm hurting you for every card you discard, then if at the end of your turn I cast Sunder, and then, okay, now it's my turn, I cast the wheel, paid off with Mana Rocks, I won yeah. the game. Like, I didn't have the game drawn out for, for who knows how many turns people just dropping lands from zero from the get-go. So, yeah, those are quote-unquote stigmatized cards, but if you play them correctly, it shouldn't be a problem. Exactly. No, no one has a massive response of saying, oh, well, silence should be banned. The one white mana, you can't cast spells this turn. No one's like, that should be banned. But it essentially does the same thing if used in the proper way, as Sunder does. It just stops you casting spells in that turn. But the yeah. problem is, is that when people don't use them in the, I don't want to say correct way, but a way that doesn't drag yeah. the game on unnecessarily. Exactly. It's all about um, experience. Like, I can, I can get if your, your philosophy of playing Magic is not for the entertainment of others, but for yours, because that's fine, because you will find like-minded mm. people. But if you're the type of person where you would not enjoy this experience if it was used against you, then you would have to, you know, put it into perspective. Well, why am I going to do this? Why am I going to do that? And it all it all has to do with deck building as well. When I build a deck and I'm like, oh, this card is really powerful. How do I, you know, how do I want to use it? What am I using it for? Why am I making this combo? Is this combo to lock out players or is this a combo to just win on the spot? And even then people don't like combos that win on the spot, right? Mm. Like, is it disruptable? That was, that's, you know, one of the problems that a lot of people have with Faz's Oracle. Yeah. But it, it's not a problem necessarily in CDH because they expect it. Yeah. So now it's reached... Yeah, yeah that's the thing. Like, people have the... Like, a combo... Oh, 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 I find combos at pretty much anything above sort of, like, just out-of-box pre-con level or, like, people really new to magic. Like, I don't mind combos. I think combos are a very good way if the game needs to end and I can't hit you in the mm -hmm. face because that's just not my deck. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is when you've got people who will come and sit down and, oh, this person is playing a while, this person is playing for a few months, this person is their first night at a new LGS. Prosh food chain, anyone? And then you have to go, dude, dude. Yeah. Own it down. Exactly. But then we equally, on the flip side of that, we had a person who had a Prosh Food Chain combo, but he was playing with newer people. He had it in his hand. We were walking around. We saw he had it in his hand, but he didn't play it. He didn't play it until, like, turn 13. Another person was dead through combat damage, and everyone was, like, getting a bit, oh, the game is dragging now. He, he then goes, ah, oh, Prosh Food Chain. Yeah, exactly. Which, I want to know, what, what's your thoughts on just generically having a combo in just, not every deck, but most decks? I'm fine with combos in the sense that that's that's one of the allures of the game, right? Originally, you know, one card by itself is not that oppressive unless you add another card to it. So if you're playing a combo because that's how you win, that for me is a valid method of winning. Like it can't all be combat. It can't all be, you know, a fireball to the face. You know, there, there has to be, you know, unique ways of, of winning. But if, if the combo is really fast, and your meta is not as fast to deal with it, then you're almost guaranteed a victory. So for me, it's all about, you know, where you're going to use your deck in, in terms of power level. Combo can be very strong, 
but someone can have maybe one open blue mana and then okay i'll swan song it or i'll give you an offer you can't refuse and then you yeah. know you disrupt the combo player so at least combo is it's easy enough to disrupt but you have to have certain tools to be able to disrupt it and since a lot of players don't play interaction they expect games to be my army versus your army you know they're they're expect they're, they're playing risk yeah when the other person, you know, is playing like StarCraft or something, right? <laughs> so, so it's all—it's always for me a matter of perspective. Like, I don't want to, you know, kink shame anyone if you know what, what, whatever they like to play with, right? I'm always up for everything, but that's you know what the pregame discussion is for. If I know I'm playing against newer players, I play a more combat-centric deck because I know that you know that meets their expectation. Mm. If I'm playing with a more seasoned group, then maybe I'll bring a spicier. Um, deck because that's a deck that other people would be able to follow along and be able to gauge what is or what isn't a threat like for example when I play with you guys I can bring out a Nekusar you know a deck like that but maybe with a newer group I wouldn't play a Nekusar necessarily because they're they're putting down creatures and then I'm bouncing everything I'm making I'm you know every time they draw a card I wield them out of the game so so it usually depends you know on, on the intent or, or the, the experience right that that you want that you want to play. Yeah, exactly. Especially with new players, like combos, like certain combos, like World Gorge and Dragon Combo, like that requires yeah. some understanding of the rules and layers and how things yep. interact. Which exactly the stack exactly that, which takes yeah. a while. It's like it's like hi, I heard you're playing modern. Here's KCI. I'm like, that's not where you start with that. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's why in, in a lot of my videos, <clears throat> I'm I'm always under the assumption that. Whoever is watching my video is either newer to the game or slightly more seasoned. Because, for for if if you're if you really know the game, you can like breeze through my video and you get the gist of it. But I always try and put like animations and stuff. Like you mentioned, World Gorge or Dragon combo. When I made the Abdel Adrian um, deck, you know that's already half of the combo in the mm -hmm. command zone. I literally show in the video. Okay, this is how the combo would work. Obviously, someone familiar with World Gorger Dragon, that, you know, infographic, to put it that way, that animation, they don't care, right? It's not yeah. for them. But I always believe that people should step their game up. Let's say, for example, you've been playing for a year, you don't really understand, you know, the triggers, how the stack works. When, when I have a, a deck that's a bit more complicated, I like explaining that. Um, the medium deck that I mentioned, I also explained that too. Like when you play a clone, yeah, there's the legend rule. But the original dies, but the new clone is not legendary. So I, I like to also always go into the rules because sometimes it is the rule itself that inspires me to make the deck. So I like to play, you know, around the rules. And you, you can't gatekeep in how you make your content either. Like maybe you want content for a specific audience, but I always like to be as broad as I can and as welcoming as I can. Because I believe that you if, if you've been playing for a year, I don't expect you to have the same level of skill five years from now. I expect you to have five levels of five years worth of, of skill. You know what I mean? Yeah. And equally, like I always, when we're doing content, I always like to think that, okay, if I'm watching this, would this make me turn it off? Like if I'm explaining a combo or something like that, like when this was years ago, we did a video on Moldrotha and I was trying to balance mm -hmm. it between a casual one and a CDH one. And I said about the lion's eye diamond combo. I was like, I know how the combo works. I'm making the video. But if I was looking yeah. for Moldrotha and someone put up the combo and then explained it, I wouldn't think, oh my god, I'm so disgusted by someone explaining the combo to me. I'll click off in utter disgust. How dare you, sir? Like, that wouldn't happen. Yeah. I'd be like, 
Yeah, I'll sit through this. I know how it works. Go ahead. Carry yeah. on. Because, weirdly enough, when people want to watch magic content, they don't mind watching magic content. Exactly. It's what they click yeah, exactly. for. And equally, I think, it's also very arrogant of, like, if it was me watching it and I go, oh, I'll click off because I know how this works. Like, I might not. I might miss something. I might have actually been doing it wrong this entire time. Like, yep, that's true. Like, it was very embarrassing for me about three years ago when I realized I'd been doing the Revel Arc Karma Guide combo in the wrong order. And so a judge had yeah. to point out to me, he's like, ah, it's actually this. I'm like, oh, it is. I'm sorry. Yeah. The more you learn, I learn new things all the time. That's why, you know, I don't want, like you said, I don't want to have that arrogance that I'm just going to assume, okay, yeah, this is a KCI combo and then move yeah. along. Like, no, like, I, I, I like to explain things as part of, you know, like the, the education process. I want my channel to be not just showcase my ideas, but help people if they want to have an idea about it or they're inspired about it. And a lot of the comments I receive is like, oh, I didn't like, understand this combo well. Can you go over it again? Or can you explain it differently? Or I don't, I still don't understand why it works. So a lot of the times I still, you know, get the comments and I answer them because I understand, yeah, it could be complicated for a newer player, especially when it's things that go in the stack, depending on the yeah. order. And that, that's something else about the, like, if someone is doing a combo, especially if you're a newer or like middle level player, like ask them, can you do the combo and explain it through to me? Nine times out of ten, magic players are lovely. No one's going to say no, obviously yeah. not. I kn you should know how the combo <laughs> yeah. works. It's like, no, of course, here it is. Here's how it works. Here's the interactions. And they'll probably try and explain it as best they can. Equally, it's always good to ask someone to do the combo for a few good reasons. Because A, the combo might not work the way they think it works, and they yep. need to go through it and do it themselves. Or, oh, what was it? I was reading the other day. There was someone who said, like, they put the combo piece on the table. It's sort a of tournament. They put the combo piece on the table. And the guys went, yep, scoop. Like, yeah, you've got it. They were like high-level magic players. But the guy never had, like, the Emrakul or whatever it was in his deck to do the combo yeah. with. They just all scooped because they knew it. They yeah, until it was like the semi-final. The guy went, yep, do it. Do the combo, show me it. And he went, uh, I don't actually have it in the deck. <laughs> Which, yeah, womp, womp. he got to such a free card slot because no one ever asked for it, but... Yeah, always, always make sure you ask for them to do the combo, just so A, you can see it and learn from it, and also they need to revamp and make sure they can still do it. Or if it's not going to be interrupted, because let's say, for example, I have no mana open, but maybe I can have things to discard to interrupt it, or, you know, free things to cast, or somebody else might interrupt yeah. it. I never, I'm never assumed that if I'm playing a combo deck, I'm going to win the moment I assemble the combo. Oh, God, no. Because someone could potentially interrupt it. it so that's something that, you know, it's, it's, it's good manners, to put it that way. You know, to, to pass priority, you know, see if a player's going to do something. Especially Always. nowadays. Like the, like I remember when I started playing, the only zero mana interruptions were like Force of Will and the Pact. Like Slaughter Pact, Slaughter Pact yeah. or Pact of Negation. Nowadays, jeez, yeah. the amount of zero mana yeah, interruptions you've got. Yep. And even then, like, one mana might be enough. I remember, you know, back in the day, to sound like the old fogey <laughs> that I am, like, if someone had one blue mana, ah, that's fine. Because you expect Counterspell to be, you know, to yeah. be two, Mana Drain to be two. Like, you, and, if, and even then, if they had Force of Will, they could have just tapped out yeah. from the get-go. So you're, like, playing into the risk, oh, do they have the Force of Will? And then Time Spiral gave us, you know, Pact of Negation. And then Modern Horizons gave us, you know, Force of Negation. So now it's like, oh, okay, wait, 
there is this possibility. Yeah. But then at that point, you're playing like 3D chess. You know what I mean? You might as well just go exactly. for it and see what happens. Yeah, then, then it becomes a case of like you have to count all the blue players' hands and go, you got four cards in a hand. You could discard one for this one. The odds of you having two and another blue card discards are very low. And like you have to work out how the stack could potentially work, which yeah, like, I've watched people do those types of games and I'm just like, mate, I've just played some cats and dogs yeah. over there and one with Overrun. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. And and most of the content I consume is actually CDH in terms of like gameplay because sometimes the stack is just insane. Like you learn so much because you see, oh, in response and response and yeah. response and response, and then I play this and then I play that and then I play this. It's like, how how did you have all those cards in your hand? Like <laughs> where are those cards? Because like feel like they're a yeah. magician, you know, just taking cards out of thin air. I was I was talking with her with this a few weeks ago. What, what what do you think is the average length of a CDH game? It's actually longer than most yeah. people think. It's just that, you know, with the power of video editing, sometimes <laughs> a three-hour game, you know, is reduced to 15 minutes. But for me, what, what I would say, for me, average is maybe I want to be, you know, um, you know up, um, say maybe one to two hours because a lot of it, believe it or not, is just yeah. thinking. Also, I mean, like, in terms of like I've turns, noticed, like how yeah. many turns of the table do you think it takes? Yeah, turns probably five to seven. Bang on right, yes. Turn six is the average length of a yeah. CDH game. Yeah. So five to seven and maybe one to two hours because there is a lot of thought in it. Because like I said, it's the paranoia. Because in CDH, everything is so fast. Everything is so low costed, yeah. right? It's like, oh, wait, I have my combo piece, but you know, are they, they have the free yeah. counter. Or is the Dax player gonna, you know, play a Null Rod? Are they gonna play a Collector Oof? Is that gonna, you know, turn off all my yeah. mana rocks? Is this gonna do that? So there's, and then the politicking, right? It's like, oh, he has half the combo. So we have to like band together, you know, to deal with that person. Or they have the red for like a potential, you know, um, cheating in a dock side, yeah. right? So most, most of CDH is in the pensive process of thinking. That's why you can have a two hour game, but only have, you know, five to seven turns. Whereas sometimes the more battle cruiser games, they last two to three hours also, but then you have like 20 turns because sometimes it stalls out. You have your blockers. I have my attackers. I can't give them evasion. I can't swing in to the person next to me because the other person next to me is going to swing in. So it's almost like everybody's playing draw go because they're waiting for the board wipe. They're waiting for the cyclonic rift. They're waiting for the, you know, a chroma's will. They're waiting for all that. So it, it's, for me, there's only very few difference in length, but it's more like the turns because of the thinking, the interaction. So, because I've played sometimes, you know, with, with other channels like Split Second and um, where there's a lot of thinking in the games. And it's like, all right, so what do we do? What's this? This is on the stack. Who's going to deal with it? You know, and, and you're passing priority because it's, it's not that it's a higher elevation in terms of mindset or intelligence is just that the games can end on yeah. a whim so you want to either prevent it from happening or protect it for yourself from happening so like oh it's six turns that's probably really quick because they play fast mana and they play free interaction blah, blah, blah. and that's precisely why the game is long because everything is free or everything costs one so you're always expecting the gambit in the hand so they, they, they always play like they're walking on eggshells. That's too much anxiety for me. <laughs> like, I can't play CDH all the time because it's just there's just too much anxiety. It's like I'm, I got to worry about three players at the same time winning out of nowhere. 
that's too much for me. It's fun for me yeah. to watch, but I'm not. No, I would watch a, a, a Mike Tyson match, but I wouldn't box with Mike Tyson on on the regular. You know what I mean? Oh, we we've played a few games with CDH, and it does genuinely feel like that bit from Good Bad Nilsy where everyone's just standing holding pistols to each other, and it's like, exactly, he's, uh, he's gonna go first, and no one wants to be the person who goes first. You want to you want to be exactly. the person who goes second. Second is where you want to be because yep. everyone's used up all this stuff already. Exactly, it's like a bushido, right? Whoever draws their sword first yeah. loses. That's too much anxiety for me. I like chill games. I like to do my freaky things, my strange combos. I like to play commanders that people are like. What does that thing do? And they like the entire game. What does that thing do? That's that's for me like the kind of experience I want because it's like the the threat of the unknown. Like if if I if I start the game with Krenko mob boss, everybody knows what it's gonna do. If I start the game with Prosh, everybody knows what it's gonna do. Nekusar, everybody knows what it's gonna do. But if I pull out this really random card that was like on zero point zero 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 to like the tenth power one percent on EDH rec, no one's gonna know what it does. Yeah. And then no one's gonna know the cards in it either. They might have some assumption ba- maybe based on colors, but that's what I like to to play with. Like just you know, play with your mind in the sense of, oh, you're not going to know at all what I'm going to do. Unless you're a bit more seasoned, right? Yeah. That's, that's the kind of experience I like. Yeah, that's the like, I I definitely am one of these terrible people who will look at the top, you know, 10 in the EDA train and go, oh, what's, what's the top 10 of this one? And just see and then try and wonder why. M- Martin is definitely very much one of these people who will look at the spoilers and go, this seems weird, I'll use that. Like, he's still got a bloody... Fells into the third path Eldrazi deck, which I've never seen anyone yeah. play Fels in other than Martin, and it's still OP as hell, because you know he can annihilate you on turn four rather reliably, and that's not okay. But it would <laughs> never be called like if I said to you, "Oh, you're going to get an Eldrazi swinging at you on turn four with Annihilator," like you'd think, "What what branch of CDH are you playing?" But no, it's, it's not. It's mono yeah. red. It just discards it. Like, <laughs> Like, there are silly commanders yeah. that can do very silly things that, because, I don't know, they don't get the videos made about them, they're not from the mythic of the set, they're not, they don't get played yeah. in other formats or whatever, they just don't get them, which is one of the things that, like, channels like yours are fabulous for doing, to point out, like, no, 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 this Thank isn't you. uncommon, but it's still hilarious, play it, play it now. Yeah. I, my second video was actually a, a, a commander from Homelands. And my first was Chilane. Like, the moment Chilane got spo- spoiled, I was starting the channel. So the video quality is trash. The audio quality is trash because I was still learning, oh, right? Every creator my, my who hates everything video... they did 20 minutes ago, that's, that's completely normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's part of the, you know, part of the, 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 the tricks of yeah. the trade, right? So my second video was Rebecca because Rebecca is a, is a legendary creature from Homelands. And I loved Homelands because that's more or less when I started. And, like, I put it out knowing full well like, no one's going to be searching for YouTube. Hmm, Rebecca Playlist. Like, hardly anybody knows the card even exists. But I did it for me because this is what I want, right? I want to play, put out all these wacky ideas because someone out there is probably thinking the same thing. And they're probably looking for, for ideas and they can't find it. So, like, I want it to be just another resource. Like, you mentioned EDH Rec, right? EDH Rec, I have this, like, love-hate relationship with it because... It's such a useful tool, right? Like sometimes you build a deck and you're curious, hmm, I wonder, what are other people doing, right, with this commander? And if so, if thousands of people are building decks on it, you're going to see the top cards, 
Sometimes you can see a niche card, but if the commander is really popular, you don't really see all the niche cards. You more or less see it, you know, with lower tier or less popular commanders. And I use it all the time for that, for the same reason you did. Oh, who are the top commanders? Sometimes I do it to know who not to make a video about. Yeah. I, I would definitely <laughs> say, like, I first would go to EDH Rack to look at some cards. And be like, yeah, that's obvious. The second place, and I'd say probably the better place, is Scryfall. So, yeah, 100%. Just because, like, let's say, uh, uh, I was playing, I was playing uh, Drago. Uh, not Drago. Yeah, Drago, the mm -hmm. big giant guy, sacrifice artifact speed, cheaper. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to make it CDH. I want to make it just a bit silly. So I just went and do, so I was like, artifact, two CMC or less, go. Which, by the way, there are a yeah. load of artifacts of two CMC or less. Yes. But I was like, okay, go into text oh. when enters battlefield. Let's have a good trick of yeah. when leaves battlefield. And then that gave me loads more mm -hmm. relevant stuff. But yeah people don't tend to, to use like that. They tend to use it to search up one card to prove they're right in an argument about what, you know, Falco's exactly. cost is or something like that. Yeah. But that would definitely say probably be better, the better use of the resource to find specific cards than build a deck around in your own way. Yeah. I love Scryfall for that very reason. Sometimes, like I mentioned, sometimes I might have an idea on a mechanic or, or a rule on a card. So I might say, oh, okay, I want a lot of clones for this deck. So I literally go into Scryfall and I type O, semicolon, and then, you know, the, the quotation marks, that's how I always start my searches of Scryfall. And I put, when, you know, Tilde enters the battlefield, it becomes a copy of, enter, gives me all the clones, right? Or if I want, a, let's say I'm playing an Aristocrats deck or I'm building an Aristocrats deck, but let's say it's an Aristocrats deck that's not in black. That's there's not a lot of cards that you know have a death trigger if it's not black or don't trigger if it's not black. So I literally put when this dies, right? And then I use the search that way. And I'm, sometimes I discover cards, oh, wait, wow, that's powerful. I didn't know this card existed. And then, you know, I tested in the deck, like I mentioned earlier, Scryfall is literally not just for the images, right? For, for the content creation or for rulings, yeah. right? To get like the Oracle update, because heaven forbid I actually use gatherer from watsi because they got to fix that but it's just immediately it's, it's literally the first tab on my phone in the in safari i the first tab on my phone in safari is scryfall because if i need to you know look up a ruling really quickly or sometimes i'm playing with someone and they ask me oh what do you recommend would be good for this deck and i immediately take out scryfall and i show them this card or this card or this card it's such a powerful deck building tool that a lot of people don't realize if you learn its its syntax, you can search for absolutely anything you want. And the things you'll discover is crazy because, like I said, it, it's all updated with, you know, the rules and stuff. So let's say you're reading a card and the card does something different because it was eroded or, you know, because they updated how it works. You might not know that. But if you put the exact wording you want in Scryfall you'll find it and you'll find a lot of things, a lot of things. You can make a deck with like all 50 cards with that trigger if you wanted to, you know? Yeah, you're completely right. And also you're probably the only person that I know that actually uses Safari as their internet uh, explorer. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the curse of the iPhone. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, on the computer I use Firefox, like, or Chrome. I don't use Safari on the computer. There we go. Androids, Androids for days. Yeah, I just got used to the 
the iPhones. Because if I see if I see an Android, I have absolutely no idea how the Android works. I'm like, nah, get that thing away from me. You use it. Tell me. All right, we're good. The kids say, it's like, sir, can you help me unlock my phone? I'm like, is that an iPhone? It's like, yeah. Nope. Not even slightly. That may as well be a brick of just, lead to me. Yeah. They're just so different. It's like apples and oranges. Was that a pun? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> oh, God, we're lame. But well, we, we are, are magic, magic players. players yeah, so. that's true. Yeah, we get what we get. <laughs> but no, you're completely right. Like, like especially when deck building, like the best probably bit of Commander is that bit where you get a deck idea, or even if you get a new precon, you're like, "Oh, this is great." You play it, and they go, "Right, let's change some cards out," and then you start looking, you start like swapping cards in and out, and you get a little better each time, a little better each time. Like yeah. I remember recently, I was playing my Falco Sparrow deck, and the first time I played it, it got absolutely destroyed ruined beyond comparison and i was like right took it home had a very stern conversation with falco took everything out went right let's actually redo this and it worked completely better next time but yeah that's the thing that needs to be ingrained i think a bit more in the community is the idea of here's how to improve a deck like you'll see loads of videos yeah. on like here's the best mm -hmm. budget build for this deck here's how to improve that but there's very few videos of here's how to improve your deck building or how to improve a yeah, deck. Like, exactly. There's a few, like, I think Command Zone did one like a year ago, but it's not a big conversation piece. It's very much a case of, are you running fast mana? Guess you'll lose then, as you said earlier. Yeah. It's more exposition, on more so than, like, actual, you know, taking someone by the hand and, you know, going step by step. That's why with all my videos, like, I'm assuming you're not, you know, a total neonate, but... <laughs> A lot, and a lot of people even told me, oh, like, why do you mention, like, the ramp you're running or, or the, the interaction? Like, that's obvious. And I'm like, you yeah, know it's obvious. to you. Because that's how the game goes. Yeah. But it's not obvious to everyone. And then they wonder why they get blown out. And I'm like, because you're running, like, 60 creatures, whereas you're, you know, negate. Because it doesn't have to be managing. Yeah. It could be negate. Negate can, can get rid of a combo piece in, in the stack, you know? Or Chaos Warp, Beast Within, Generous Gift. I love those cards because it's instant speed, remove anything, anything even land. Because the worst thing you want, let's say you're a Voltron player, the worst thing you want is someone having a Maze of Ith at the other side of the table. Yeah. Or you're playing Voltron. Because you're never getting... You're playing against Voltron and they go, oh, is it your upkeep? Yep, do you have a Rogue's Passage? Uh, I'd like you to not have that Rogue's Passage. That's not okay for me, thank you. Exactly. Or like if someone casts an edict effect, oh, sacrifice a creature, and you have only your your Voltron commander. So you have to also build with its weaknesses. And that's not something that's inherent. Like some people see a commander, and the first thing they think of is its strengths. How do I want to build around it? But are you protecting it? Are you running you know, heroic intervention in your green decks? Are you running negate in your blue deck? Something super simple, like one negate can help you. Someone casts you know, uh, smallpox Ooh. and your, your Voltron with blue run the gate because it'll help you against you know those kinds of things it's not it's not always on the offensive you also need interaction on the defensive which is why teferi's protection is so expensive because white doesn't have that much access well mono white doesn't have that much access to those kinds of effects teferi's protection is just so ridiculous though it's just what it's it's on the same level as like smothering tire the cyclone there's nothing yeah. that does anything as like, you can't argue that oh this card is could be compared like no Teferi's protection is like here everything else is below it it is so far removed exactly 
And I get it because one of the main strats for white decks usually, <clears throat> usually is going wide with yep. tokens, right? So something like Cyclonic Whift, if you're mono white, what's the most you can do? A mana tithe and hope that they don't have, you know, that one extra mana yeah. open. But Teferi's Protection is like, nope, I protect all my tokens, which I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think Gavin Verhey explained that that was one of the main reasons when he designed, you know, the Edgar Markov deck was Teferi's Protection, you know, to protect all of the, the tokens, the vampire tokens that, you know, Edgar makes. Yeah. But then people just abuse it for so many other things. It's like it's just such a ridiculously yeah. powerful I, I, card. I used it the other day. And, and I had two creatures on board. I had no tokens, but someone alpha strike at me, and I just went, "Bye." Bye. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and and that's a card like I run it in Osgur because I run um, Dunforger in my oh. Osgur deck. And and the goal of my Osgur deck is to have like ten Sunforgers on Osgur. And then I'm just cycling, you know, to Furry's protection back and forth. Like, nope, I'm not here. Nope, I'm not here. Then next turn, swing in, you know. It's 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 a very evil deck. But, you know, Sunforger is just such a powerful card. It's like Sunforger for Teferi's protection. Then Sunforger for the one white um, instant that um, can put an a exiled card into your graveyard. And then I'm just, you know, going yeah. all, over, all over it again. And that's not, I don't, haven't seen any Osgur deck built like that. Like, you know, my Osgur is more um, that kind of deck than it is, oh, I'm just going to cheat in huge artifacts. I mean, I still do. I cheat in, you know, the Worm Coil engine yeah. and I cheat in all that. But that's to, to win. But in the meantime, it's like, oh, you're green. You have all these stompy creatures. Nah, I'm not here. <laughs> Bye. And then it's not even in my hand. Just Sun Forger for it. Boop. You know? So... It's like I said, it's the intent. How are you using these cards? What do you want them for? And I always try to find, you know, something outside of the box, not just in like the commander, but, you know, all these quote unquote staples. How am I using them? Am I just using them for the defensive? No, I'm using Teferi's protection, you know, to just disappear every turn. It's almost like a quote unquote extra turn for me because I'm yeah. not there. Like, you can't hit me. And then when it's 1v1, like, not that I lock you out of the game, but it's like, oh, any board wipe or whatever. Nope, I'm not here. You attack me. Nope, I'm not here. Then I come back, swing in, you know, and GG. That's pretty good. It's like blinking every single turn. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's the thing. That for me is fun. But at the same time, I'm, I'm giving you something you don't expect because Oscar is a really popular mm -hmm. commander. Um, but when I saw Oscar, the first thing I thought of was like, oh, what if I can make him carry like 20 Sunforgers? How ridiculous <laughs> would that be? But, but then equally, I, I, the case of like, <laughs> Playing those cards in that way is funny, but it's also interruptible. Yeah, like you're in Boros, exactly. like anyone can at any point just go with Teferi Protect on the stack, kill your commander. Like that, yep. that's totally interruptible. Exactly. But oh, fierce guardianship. That's it. You know, for free, it counters it or removes it. You know, you can remove it from the graveyard with so many cards, mm. right? Or you can just you cast a Vandal Blast. It's that's the thing that, you know, people, they, they get upset, but at the same time, like, I don't want to reduce it to the, oh, get good scrub, play interruption, you know, or play interaction, because it's, it's not about that. But if something is interruptible, you should be able yeah. to interrupt it. I'm giving you the opportunity, you know, the, to, to, the tit for tat. And if you don't have it, then I win. And if you have it, awesome. You know, the game keeps yeah, going on. that big thing of, it's not a case of, lol, get good at this. It's a case that like, yeah. the sentiment is there. It's phrased horribly, though. It is a case of 
right? To improve your deck, you need to run more interaction, mm -hmm. but make your interaction thematic. Like, there's cards in exactly. Falco that's like, remove a counter from something, destroy a creature. Like, boom, nice thematic, yeah. and d deals with the actual problem. But just saying to someone, yes, yeah, just saying to someone, oi, get good. It's like, but what does that mean? Like, yeah, help them yeah. out. It's like every single one of my decks that have red, green, and white, I have the trifecta, which is Chaos Warp, Generous Gift, Beast Within. It doesn't matter what they have. It hits any purple, well, obviously, if it has Hex for Shroud, but you know what I mean. It hits anything. Yeah, they get a 3 3. Maybe they reveal, you know, an Ulamog with the Chaos Warp, but. It gets it gets it done, and there is no reason you can't find you know three slots in your in your red white green deck for those three cards, or if you're running black and red, a terminate terminate does so much, or black and white a vindicate. Like you don't have to have twenty, you know, universal removal pieces in your deck, but at least five, maybe seven, or if if it's all synergistic, then awesome because you know it goes with your deck like aristocrats. Um, there's two black enchantments that I love: dictate of Erebos and grave pack because I can remove creatures without running creature removal. If I'm sacrificing creatures left and right, guess what you're doing? You're gonna be sacrificing creatures left and uh, right. I, and it works I love Dictator of Erebos. There's nothing I love with Dictator of having like a bunch of weenies out with Taisha and some yeah. swings and you go, well, block. Before damage. Yep. <laughs> just gonna, just gonna <laughs> flash this. It's brilliant. Because it, not, cause it, yeah, cause it exactly. doesn't, it's one of those cards that is made so much better in Commander. Because like in one-on-one, -on -one, like I don't think Dictator yeah. ever saw play in Standard ever. Certainly not in Modern. No. But being able to say, nope. right, you've attacked me, you're going to sacrifice your creatures because mine have died. Oh, you two who just stood there doing nothing. Yeah, could you also sacrifice creatures as well, please? Like, exactly. five mana, which on average will destroy six creatures. Let's be generous, six creatures get sacrificed. That's pretty good for five mana at instant speed. And it's not a damnation. Like a lot of people, like they groan when they see, you know, the whole board wipe. But this one is like punishing your opponents in the sense of if you flash it in, in response to damage for your blockers, and they're like, oh, you know, it's it's like that that shot in the gut that okay, I attacked you, I shouldn't have, and now I'm regretting it. it yeah. It's fun. And then it is a case of if it's an enchantment, it's going to stick here, and it's either going to slow the game down a bit, which is good for the aristocrats player. That's yep. exactly what they want. That's why it works in their decks. Exactly. Or you're going to have to have some enchant removal. Exactly. And you have to run it. It's just like things that, and even Command Zone, they, they, they sort of give a formula. I'm not really keen on like formulas mm. because not every formula works for everything. But they see it like a guide. And I like guides in the sense that it's always good for newer players because it's a 100-card singleton format. And it's social. So you're play if you're playing in a meta where everybody hates counter spells, everybody hates removal, no one plays blue, poor blue, right? Blue is like the, the stigmatized oh God, color. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. If you want to do that, that's fine. But then if you find yourself wanting to improve, then you can't be stubborn. It's like Einstein said, if, if you do the same process, expecting a different answer, that's the definition of yep. insanity, right? You have to try something different if you want to step your game up. So that's fine. I'm always saying, you know, at the end of my videos, this is just how I would build it. If you want to build it differently, that's great. If you want to have more expensive mana acceleration or cheaper mana acceleration, that's on you too. Because mana isn't at the core of the deck. 
but I do want to take that stigma away from like you know um, fetch lands and shock lands because they're cheap now. They're not. They're no longer a hundred dollar modern staples. You know what I mean? They are accessible. So if you're running fetch lands in your three color deck, that's super helpful because guess what? With one land, you have two slots out of your deck that you're. It's less likely for you to draw into a land, which is one of the the things we mentioned at the very beginning. Like. If you're on the resource game with those, you know, friends you mentioned that they don't run that many lands because they run more ramp, you're if you have less lands in your deck, well, basic math tells you you're, you're least likely to draw into a land. Exactly. So it's that, that's one of the things like there does need to be a little less stigma around like oh you're playing these cards. It's like yes, but these are just the cards yeah. is what they're doing with the cards themselves. Like again, it is a case of. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you're playing a fetch land. Fair enough. Go fix your colors. You're in four colors for some ungodly reason. But you're playing like the janky, the the friends forever cards from Stranger Things, where a few like yeah. they're not overly yeah. powerful commanders. But you're in four colors. You need to yeah, fix exactly. your colors. You go do that. It's not a case yeah. of you know, I'm playing four color Omnath and I'm doming everyone for four multiple times a turn with his third landfall yeah. trigger. Like there is a lot of different things that I think does need to be reminded of people will do what they will do with certain tools they have it's the what they do with it not the tool that's important if that makes sense yeah exactly it there's a there's a saying in puerto rico that's like that too it's like it's not the it's not the the arrow it's the native and what that means is that you can have the best bow and arrow in the world but if you if, if you suck if you have literally no good eyesight or if you have bad aim it doesn't matter if you have the best bow and arrow in the world right so like a a a, a pro with a stone will do more than a noob with uh with an arrow oh, yeah. right so it's it's always intended and you mentioned it earlier also like if you're running tutors because you're trying to assemble this frankenstein of a combo that's like five cards to win like fine because you said it you're not tutoring for demonic consultation and thassa's oracle you're tutoring for this really fun thing you want because it's a hundred cards the likelihood of you assembling that organically is so low like you don't even have to say what you're tutoring for like if 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 you if you have that talk at the beginning like hey this deck runs a lot of tutors but it's not to combo off or to win like people might be a little bit more disarmed and you know be more accepting yeah. of it but it shouldn't have to come to that either it's like what i mentioned with uh talpa zetama whatever it's called the the white dinosaur the yeah. pterodactyl how are you going to get that in a mono white deck if you're not running faster rocks you're never going to see your commander so i'm not going to fault you for running i wouldn't fault you for running mana crypt or mana vault either because like i said i'm not going to kink shame you for the cards you run because if i'm if we agree at the beginning this is the level we're playing at i'm going to believe you that you're running those cards because let's say you're not green if you're not green I'll 100% not care what you run, like, because you got to yeah, keep up. Mono white and mono black to a certain extent, and mono red. Their their best ramp is not missing a land drop. That's all they got. Um, yeah. But that's one of the things that like that I do love about the idea of CDH. You mentioned about talking for a game like CDH that has the you sit down, and you go, we all play in CDH, and that's the rule. Zero conversation, done and dusted. It's like oh, we all yeah, oh, exactly. we're playing CDH, brilliant. Let, let's go and we all swing for the fences and then we'll and then yeah, we'll exactly. shuffle up have in half your, an hour yeah. and do it all again yeah exactly have your five turn two hour yeah, game exactly. right 
or your sixth turn. But that's why sometimes if, if let's say I go to an LGS and, and I'm new there or, or I don't know the people I'm going to play with, I have my decks. I have decks specifically made for those environments because sometimes, let's be real, people don't know how to gauge the power level of no. their deck. So for the longest time, I've had Maurice Breaker of the Coil as sort of like my, my gauge. My, it tests the pH level of the water. If they tell me, oh, this deck isn't that powerful. All right, let's see, because I'm going to make you use your things against every other player. And then, then I'll see how strong your decks are. And then from there, I'll either choose a weaker deck or a stronger deck. Or I might play Bruticlad, because Bruticlad is a six-color, non-green yeah. commander. Can I get Bruticlad out and keep him on the board you know, to do my fun stuff? If I can't, then I'll use a higher power yeah. deck, right? So I always have decks to gauge, and then... If people aren't offended, I'll tell them, hey, look, just in case, you know, your deck is more powerful or it is weaker than you think it is or, you know, it depends on the meta. Because it's always good to talk after a game, too. Sometimes people spend a half hour talking before the game and they're, okay, we're done. And then they leave. Like, no, like have that conversation after the game also. Was it fun? Did you enjoy it? Is this someone you would like to play with again? Do you have other decks that you want to play against, you know, challenge them? Yeah. That's equally important to me That's as well. Like, if we ever go to other LGSs where we don't know the people, then we'll try to have our conversations as accurately as possible. But I'll then usually bring out a control deck. Because then I like to think of myself, I know when to not combo up and be that type of person. And a control yeah. deck's a lovely tap land go. And then it's easy to gauge what other people are doing and what level is actually operating mm -hmm. at. Because then it can be a case of, oh, for I'm sure. going to come up from turn five. It's like, well, I've got five open mana that says you're not. And that's that feels yeah. a lot more appropriate to when you don't know the power level of the place you're entering. Because like that's an established community yeah. in that LGS. You're the one coming into it. Yeah. So you don't know what's there. But then obviously if someone's coming to your LGS, you just like, oh, we tend to play this deck. And then they can play whatever deck they want that feels um, comparable. Yeah, of course. That's what we tend to do. I mean, that is good because it, for the longest time, I had Stasis in my Brago deck because obviously I'm an evil human Jesus. being, right? But Stasis is a card that I, I would not play if I was at a more casual yeah. place, right? But if, if someone's telling me, oh, this deck is a seven, right? And it's more like Everything's a, a seven. All right, once they're tapped out, Stasis comes down. I'm like, is it good? And then uh, the yeah. groan, right? And, but then I just end yeah, the game. Which is fun. Like, all right, I, 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 you know, I, I locked them out of the game and then I win. But I only played it, you know, depending on if the way that they just arbitrarily gave me the power level. Because my Brago deck is stacks, but it's not that evil. Because my Brago deck has no non-permanents. It has no instance, no oh. sorceries. That means no negate, no cyclonic rift. So it's 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 evil, but it's not yeah. mean, right? It's like Loki. It's a it's a villain you can yeah. enjoy their company. And, 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 and for the longest time, but I took it out because I wanted to make a cut and it was hard. I'm like, you know what? Stasis can, can stay stasis in my binder. Well, that's the thing, like I said like earlier, the fact that if you have cards like that, having them there is fine. It's when you play them. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there's one, two things I very much would like to ask you. And the same thing I ask everyone. First question, and you probably get the second one from this one. What is one card that you would unban in Commander? Well, one card I would unban would probably be any silver-bordered card 
fun. Because I love them. So I would probably unban Grusilda Monster Masher. Because <laughs> I love that card. Every time I see it in my cube, whoop, so, first pick. So just, just, I want to go off the beaten path, and I'll say Grusilda just, just, just for people that don't know, what does Grusilda do? Grusilda is you pay five, and you tap her. And then she mashes two creatures in your in any graveyard, right? right? So let's say, for example, you have uh, two creatures in a graveyard. It doesn't even have to be the same graveyard. You pay five, you tap her, and she melds them into a single creature. So you add their power, you add their toughness, and you combine their text box and their creature types and the name. So you're basically like stapling two cards and together, and it makes this abomination. What mana cost is Priscilla? Grusilda is three generic, a black, and a red. And so does the, the, the ability as well. That's not too bad, actually. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, and then it gives menace It gives menace to combine enchanted and equipped creatures. That's actually all right. I don't know what... That's perfectly fine. Don't worry, don't worry. I completely understand yeah. why it's a silver-boarded card, because I think if you did that, I think every judge in the world would have a, like, a heart attack immediately when it's printed in black border. Probably. What? But I mean, it's no different than Mutate. Look at Mutate, how complicated Mutate is. And Mutate was in yeah. standard. Mutate was out. a bit. Mutate is way, yeah. Mutate is way more complicated than saying, okay, these two creatures are stable together, they're yeah. one creature. That's it. That's basically the card. But that's that's one card I would that's, unban. It's from a stable. I love that. That's pretty stuff. good, actually. It's, it's not better than Matt saying bloody Prophet of Crufix. Jesus. No, I've played with Prophet of Proof and I know firsthand yeah, you do not want not that okay. card banned. Or Sylvan Primordial, for sure. Um, and the other question, if you could ban any one card, what would it be? Ooh, that's a toughie, because I wouldn't ban anything. That's fine. I Iona's already banned. Iona would be the card that if it was not banned, I would ban really? a Iona. Because it locks out you know, monocolored decks. What can I say? That's just, yeah. For the longest time, for the longest time in my mono red and mono green deck, when Iona was legal, I would run the seven costed instant from Battlefield. <laughs> Excel target And it would just be, okay, Drago, 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 maybe play a couple of lands until I would get that and get rid of Iona. Assuming no one else yeah. would get rid of Iona. Let's see. But banning, wow. I don't think I would ban any card, see. actually. Oh, Thassa's Oracle. Let's just say that. Fair I, enough. I that's Oracle. Oracle is such a card that no, I've never heard anyone say, oh, I like Thassa's Oracle. I've heard people say it's fine through gritted teeth, and then I've heard virulent yeah. people despising it. It is because it is just better Lab Maniac, better Jace, yeah. and it's when yep. it enters, and it's the trigger then goes in the stack, and you yeah. can't respond to it beyond a um, preventing the trigger or countering it, and that's exactly. it. Which, if you're not playing blue, yeah, because yeah, exactly. And and I say it just because because again, to me, it's fine. It's fine because the meta that it's used in, they can you know they yeah. can deal with that. But to me, it's it's just boring. Like, how many times can I see a game and have the game end? Thassa's Oracle's trigger on the stack, demonic consultation, yeah. GG. Is like I've seen it happen so much. Like it's jaded to me. Like if they ban it, awesome. Now I can see other ways games yeah. can. Which end, is, you know what I mean. But that's just off the top of my head. A card I, I can I would ban. see. We were really surprised when I only got banned because I think beyond seeing it in a trade binder once, 
we've never actually seen Iona be played. We knew it was played, but we just never saw in our little corner of the world. So maybe that's just a little bias we have over in England. We don't in the, yeah. in jolly old England. We don't play Iona. No, we let other people play their decks. Yeah, but I I've seen it more often than not because, um, like I said, I played you know since the beginning more or less of Commander. Well, not the beginning because Commander came out officially in 2011, yeah. but in 2013, I would see a lot of Kalia decks, and that's where you would cheat in Iona. Oh, of course. So let's say I'm playing I'm playing you know mono yeah. green mono red, and then oh turn five boom Iona for free. So like okay, so I can't yeah. play anymore. Or in, in green-white decks, like they're ramping to no end, and then boom, I own That makes a lot of sense, actually. Although you have made me really want to build a Kalia deck now. Like it. <laughs> well, you can't put Iona in, That's unfortunately. That's fine. Stacks pieces <laughs> are one of those things that I've never been a massive draw to. Like, if I'm going to stop you playing, I'm going to stop you because I've counted or killed something. Not, you literally cannot yeah. play because the rules of the game dictate so. I just like every strategy just to try like I imagine to me magic is a buffet especially commander because you can play everything like I've sometimes I've seen tweets where people are like you know survey type tweets where it's like oh why would you or why wouldn't you play CDH for example and for me it's that in CDH not everything is viable in CDH like otherwise you're going to get pub stomped. So to me, I want to be able to play anything and everything. Oh, I, I want a stacks deck. I want a wheels deck. I want a tokens deck. You know, I want to try always a little bit of everything. And even the decks I have in real life, like they're so different from each other. Like that's my goal. Like I don't want one deck. For example, I have CDC hmm. with my reanimator deck. I don't want another reanimator deck because I already have CDC. Or I don't want another um, tokens deck because I already have Brutaclat, right? And then I have a deck that's just for banding, which is um, Othelm and Hargild. So I don't want another banding deck. I have Kikar with vehicles, so I don't want another vehicle deck. So And then Brago's Control, but it's not mean because it has no instance, mm. right? So I like to try everything. I do have preferences, right? But I'm not going to shy away from stacks or from you know aristocrats or tokens or you know Battlecruiser. I like everything with Goad. <clears throat> so that's just me like i see magic commander as a, as a buffet if it if it's legal it goes so i'm all for it. i think that's a beautiful sentiment to end on thank you very much Kurt, for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure yeah thank you for having me the pleasure is all mine and thank you all for listening hope you've enjoyed it as always we're back next week with another episode and i have been alex and i will see you next time